Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. I want to spend a little time with you on this because there is now a full-scale effort by Biden, by his surrogates and the media, the Democrat Party, to make the suggestion that Joe Biden has the power to violate separation of powers to seize from Congress its core function. That is the House of Representatives. To borrow, spend, and tax. Then they wrap themselves in the Constitution while they're violating the Constitution. I've told you many times that's how they work. They wrap themselves in liberty while they're promoting tyranny as well. And so I'm going to break it down again. I did, as you know, on Life, Liberty, and Levin during my opening statement. People say, why do you call an opening statement and not a monologue? Actually, most people don't, just a few eggheads. I said, because I don't like the word monologue. It is a statement that I am making, you know, an assertion, an argument. And people can accept it or not. But I went through it in fairly significant detail. Obviously, People come and go on radio, they come and go on TV, maybe they're not watching, who knows, doesn't matter. I just want to make sure I get the case out because we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now. First, let's begin with the offender, Joe Biden. And I want you to think about something. If Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan or either Bush said, I have the unilateral power, to issue bonds. I have the unilateral power to lift the debt ceiling. In other words, I had the power and my party had the power to pass a budget that was wildly out of control and now I have the power on my own to force the American people to pay for it. Now, ladies and gentlemen, That is as dictatorial and totalitarian as it gets. And I don't care about Lawrence Tribe and the other old buffoons who are out there twisting the Constitution to accommodate their needs. We don't put up with that crap here. Period. But here's Biden in Hiroshima, Japan. And he's questioned yesterday by by the deuce, Peter Ducey. Cut to go. And Mr. President, on the deadline, you said already, I've done, I've done my part. Do you think that if there's a brief, nobody is going to blame you? Of course no one will blame me. I know you won't. You'll be saying Biden did a wonderful job. <laughs> I, I, I know you. Would you be blameless in a default On the merits, based on what I've offered, I would be blameless. On the politics of it, no one will be blameless. And by the way, that's one of the that's one of the things that some are are contemplating. I actually had. Well, I got to be careful here. I think there are. You know, I, some, I, you can tell that he's losing with it. 
it's it's painful, isn't it, Mr. Medusa? Anyway, he says, I think there are some MAGA Republicans. Go ahead. MAGA Republicans in the House who know the damage that it would do to the economy. You know, this is really frustrating and outrageous. He acts like MAGA Republicans, that is, Republicans who have and do support Donald Trump in the House. And by the way, 75 million of you, that somehow you're the kamikazes, speaking of Hiroshima, that you're the kamikazes, that you're the ones who want to take down the economy. He's spending like a drunken Marxist. He's demanding that Republicans raise the debt ceiling for his spending and McConnell's spending. They're saying, no, we've got to start to trim this budget, trim the sales, and they're not even talking about a massive amount of money. And so now there's MAGA Republicans who want to take down the economy. This guy is, as I've told you before, a lousy, nasty street politician. And as I've said over and over, he's just a serial liar. That's all he is. Go ahead. Because I am president, and presidents are responsible for everything, Biden would take the blame, and that's the one way to make sure Biden's not reelected. Uh, aren't you Biden? What are you going to do? Biden, Biden's not, no. Uh, you're not even in the United States when you're making these comments. You're in Hiroshima, Japan. And as McCarthy has said repeatedly, for 97 days, by my calculation, that's over three months. He couldn't get a phone call or a meeting with Biden. Now, here's why. Because Biden and the Democrats figured they could play chicken and the Republicans would buckle. They figured the House Republicans wouldn't stay united. They were wrong. And they figured they'd be chopped to pieces by the Senate Republicans. There are some, but Mike Lee took the leadership in the Senate and got 43 of them to sign a letter in support of what the House Republicans did. Now, keep something in mind when you're debating with your family and friends and neighbors. The Republicans already raised the debt ceiling. But they want some cuts. But they already voted to raise it in the House. Schumer won't bring it up for a vote. Because they want all spending covered. No matter what. No matter what. And spending is so completely out of control. Now, what about this 14th Amendment that we've discussed at length? We started discussing this months ago. I remember discussing it years ago. The 14th Amendment. What about the 14th Amendment? Does that empower the president to unilaterally borrow money? Does that even sound right to any of you? Has anybody ever done that before? No. So why now, if it's in the 14th Amendment? Why even negotiate? with the Republicans in Congress if it's in the 14th Amendment? Why even waste your time with Congress at all if it's in the 14th Amendment? Just do it. You don't have to wait till the brink. If you think you have that power, you could have done it five months ago. Frightening, isn't it? We fought a revolution to have representative government, this fantastic constitution to get away from a monarchy, and now we have this guy. Here he is, cut three, go. I'm looking at the 14th Amendment as to whether or not we have the authority. I think we have the authority. The question is, 
could it be done and invoked in time that it could not, would not be appealed and as a consequence past the date in question and still the fall of the debt? That's a question that I think is unresolved. Well, listen to what he said at the beginning, though. We have the authority, he said. I quote, unquote, I think we have the authority. He believes he has the authority with his own magic wand to issue bonds, other treasury instruments, on his own, even though Article 1 specifically provides that Congress has these powers. The 14th Amendment does not counter that, doesn't alter it at all. It was passed in 1868, has nothing to do with this, had everything to do with paying the debt after the Civil War, what debt would be honored, what debt would not be, has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on today, which is why Lawrence Tribe says it does, because that's what he does. He spews stupid. Even Obama understood this in 2011. Cut four, go. Now, the gentleman asked about the 14th Amendment. There is uh, there's a provision in our Constitution that speaks to making sure that the United States meets its obligations. And there have been some suggestions that a president could use that language to basically ignore this debt ceiling rule, which is a statutory rule. It's not a constitutional rule. Um, I have talked to my lawyers. They don't, uh, they, they do not, uh, they are not persuaded that that is a winning argument. Uh, so the challenge for me is to make sure that right, we enough. Do it's a very convoluted way of saying, no, I don't. I don't have that power. Now, I've told you why. Michael McConnell also, though, is a Stanford law professor. He was a federal appellate judge. He was a top lawyer for quite some time at OMB in the Reagan administration. You know, the old Reagan administration that never did anything. We should forget about Reagan and think about someone else, I guess. He recently wrote in the New York Times, President Biden is playing a dangerous game. The federal government's deficit spending is about to exceed the amount Congress has authorized it to borrow. And the Treasury has run out of what are known as extraordinary measures to stave off disaster. Congress and the president must negotiate a compromise resolution or the nation faces the prospects of a default. The House of Representatives has already passed a bill that would raise the nation's debt limit by $1.5 trillion. By $1.5 trillion. That's not funny money. That's a lot of money. Coupled, however, with proposed spending cuts. And its Republican leaders have signaled a willingness to negotiate. Mr. Biden instead has demanded that Congress raise the debt ceiling without conditions. The House Republicans' insistence on negotiations and compromise is not hostage-taking, quote-unquote. It is the ordinary stuff of politics. Two sides can posture all they want, but in the end... Congress and the president have to reach an agreement. That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The Constitution does not permit 
a unilateral solution on either side. Begin with the constitutional basics. Article 1, Section 8. List the powers of Congress. The first clause of Section 8 provides Congress may lay and collect taxes. The second clause provides that Congress has the power to borrow money on the credit of the United States. These clauses are absolute. The executive branch cannot impose taxes or borrow funds on its own authority. Together with the power over spending, these powers are known as the power of the purse, which belongs entirely to the legislative branch. These provisions have pride of place among Congress's powers for a reason. Before the so-called Glorious Revolution of 1688 and the English Civil War, the Stuart monarchs asserted the power to tax and borrow without parliamentary approval, which effectively meant the power to rule without parliament, which I just mentioned, without Congress. The result was not just autocratic rule at home, but also periodic defaults on the royal debt, astronomical interest rates for government borrowing, and ultimately civil war. Well, our framers didn't wish to recreate the Stuart monarchy, and the first two clauses of Section 8 reflect that aversion. The power of the purse may be the most fundamental element in our system of checks and balances and all that, and Joe Biden wants to seize them from the House of Representatives. I just am appalled and disgusted by the way this is reported. The debt limit is nothing more than an authorization from Congress to borrow a certain amount up to the certain limit, a certain limit. The debt ceiling is not a restriction on what would otherwise be the president's ability to borrow. It's an authorization for the executive branch to borrow up to that ceiling. Above that, the president may not go. Nonetheless, Biden's advisors reportedly are contemplating violating the congressional debt limit based on a far-fetched interpretation of Section 4 of the 14th Amendment, propounded by some academics. Previous administrations have flirted with this idea, but all rejected it. Mr. Biden should do the same. It would twist the words of the 14th Amendment, ignore its history, and send the markets into turmoil. Now, I want to dig into this more deeply as he discusses it, as I have discussed it many times in the past. But I want to make it clear that Biden just asserted yesterday in Japan that he has this authority. So I hope you understand that Biden just asserted that he has dictatorial powers that no president since the 14th Amendment has ever asserted, ever. This isn't complicated, ladies and gentlemen. The 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments were passed after the Civil War by the Republicans, the Republican states. They dealt with the aftermath of the Civil War. 14th Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with the financing of the country and who has what power some what is it now let's see most 120 years later ended in 1865 well more than that my math here is not great 160 years almost but that said it would never states would never have ratified an amendment that would give the power uh, to raise money to pay off debt to the President of the United States, ever. And they didn't. And neither does the language of the 14th Amendment. We're going to get into this now, as we must, unfortunately. 
I feel like we're in this endless position of having to defend the Constitution line by line, almost word by word, every damn week. But that's what we'll do if we have to. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. We have, a, we have a former U.S. attorney the other day who announces that, based on his own experience, which is quite significant, um, in Utah, that he would have already indicted the Bidens. <laughs> Crickets. I mean, not because of, I, mean, I, I didn't say it, he said it. Now, to show you the extent to which the Democrat judges and Democrat prosecutors really want to derail Trump. And they want to derail DeSantis, the party in the media too, more on that later, is uh, the, we have a judge in New York now, in another matter, uh, check that, the judge in the Alvin Bragg case, he has set the trial for March 25th next year, right in the middle of the presidential primary. So this phony case, right in the middle of the presidential primary, we have never seen anything like this. Ever. Then we have the, the rogue Democrat prosecutor in Atlanta who is rumored to bring charges anytime from the end of July to mid-August. Right around the first debate. Right around the first debate. Then we have uh, <clears throat> Mr. Overturned on Appeal, Jack the Ripper Smith. He's hanging around and he will bring it at the most propitious time for the Democrats. His charges. I have no doubt he will. And I suspect what he's focused on, ladies and gentlemen, is wire fraud, given the fundraising that we heard about, uh, not that there's a violation of law, but that he's looking at it. Obstruction. And a variety of other counts, multiple, multiple felony counts, because this guy's completely out of control and he doesn't give a damn. You New Yorkers, you remember Sheldon Silver, Mr. Producer? He was the Speaker of the Assembly of New York for about 117 years. You remember him? 
Well, his first conviction was substantially overturned. Substantially overturned. And you know who brought that case, America? Jack the Ripper Smith. The conviction of former Republican governor of Virginia, Bob McDonald, was completely overturned by unanimous United States Supreme Court. The case he brought against John Edwards in North Carolina. Or again, he tried to stretch the definition of various laws and so forth. The jury in that case found the defendant not guilty and also on several of the counts couldn't decide it was a hung jury. But the case was so pathetic, the Justice Department decided not to rebring it. But here's what he knows. Here's what he knows. Sheldon Silver was a Democrat with a Democrat jury. Bob McDonald, case brought against Bob McDonald, is in Northern Virginia with a substantially Democratic jury. But even more important, a judge who didn't understand the law. And of course, John Edwards in North Carolina. The problem here is Trump would be brought, it would be brought in a case in Washington, D.C. 93% Democrat votes. I mean, a fifth grader could bring a case like that. So you have to rely on a prosecutor who is virtuous, good temperament. And Jack the Ripper Smith is neither of those, as he's demonstrated. Remember Andrew Weissman? Remember that little nerd, that little freak, that little fraud? Andrew Weissman! Remember him? I'm doing the German Weissman. Well, he said the other day that he... Weissman has been called a Doberman. But compared to Jack the Ripper Smith, he's a golden retriever. Did you know he said that, Mr. Producer? He's actually always been a Yorkie. A Yorkie. And I like Yorkies, but not as prosecutors. So we have that. Then I start to think about things. Can a president pardon himself? You see, Donald Trump has more reason now than anybody to run for president, except maybe Biden. If we ever got a good attorney general in there, I think the Biden family would be the the Gotti family of of politics. And uh, I don't mean to put down the Gotti family because Biden's much worse when it comes to these financial activities. I mean, Gotti was never president. Biden is. And he's bought and paid for by the communist Chinese. Seems to me, for the rest of us, that's a bigger deal. Now, that said. Now, that said. Trump has more reason to run and not get out than any of the others. Because in a federal case, he does indeed have the power to 
pardon himself as any president has the power to pardon him or herself. Now, you'll hear all the all those pseudo-intellectuals, pseudo-professors, pseudo-lawyers, and jackasses alike who will say that's not true. But they should, for once in their lives, put aside their politics and look at the Constitution. Ilya Shapiro, who's a libertarian law professor, or was, by all accounts, highly reputable, no Trump fan, but he asked this question. As the Trump presidency draws to a close at the end a couple of years ago, a question that came up periodically during his tenure has now resurfaced. Can the President of the United States pardon himself? In their new book, After Trump, Reconstructing the Presidency, Jack Goldsmith, head of the Office of Legal Counsel, the elite Justice Department unit, that's essentially the executive branch's legal conscience, under President George W. Bush and Bob Bauer, White House counsel, um, let's see, under uh, President Barack Obama, acknowledged that self-pardons may be possible, but suggest, among other reforms, that Congress should also make clear that a self-pardon is not allowed and cannot be the basis for immunity from federal criminal investigation. Of course, they're both dead wrong. Mike Ludick, highly respected former Fourth Circuit judge, remember Mike, an OLC head under George H.W. Bush recently argued against the availability of self-pardon in light of constitutional structure. Of course, Ludig has no idea what the hell he's talking about. They're both wrong. A president has the absolute right to pardon. There's no limitation in the federal, in the federal area. Absolute right. How do I know it? The Constitution provides no limitations. None whatsoever. All that Article 2, Section 2 says is the president, quote, shall have power to grant reprieves and pardons for offenses against the United States, except in cases of impeachment, unquote. That's all it says. It doesn't say he can't pardon himself or anything of the sort. So while Goldsmith and Bauer and Ludig, no doubt, spend hours and hours with a very sharp pencil sitting in their basements, in their, in their boxer shorts, trying to figure out, oh, we've got to figure this out, much like this clown Lawrence tribe claiming the 14th Amendment somehow empowers the President of the United States to destroy the House of Representatives. There is no limitation. And as Shapiro writes, this discretionary authority is purposely broad because it serves as a check on fundamental injustices in other cases where the law is an ass. In that sense, presidents should use it more often. It also facilitates national healing after political crises. George Washington used the pardon power after the Whiskey Rebellion. Abraham Lincoln after the Civil War. Jimmy Carter for draft dodgers after Vietnam. And we have Stanford law professor, former federal judge Michael McConnell, has explained that two days before the Constitutional Convention approved the Constitution, a move to narrow the pardon power because, quote, the president himself may be guilty, unquote, failed. It failed. Despite support from Mr. Constitution himself, James Madison. As James Wilson who would become a member of the first Supreme Court and was a delegate to the Constitutional Convention from Pennsylvania, specifically Philadelphia. As he argued, if the president, quote, be himself a party to the guilt, 
He can be impeached. In other words, he can be impeached and potentially removed. But that's the only the only power. So the framers expressly contemplated the use of the pardon to clear a criminal conspiracy of which the president is himself a part. But importantly, they needed to have this debate in the first place because unlike the British king, from whom they had just declared independence, the American president would be subject to legal process. But they considered impeachment to be a sufficient check on potential abuses. And they were smart, because can you imagine? We have a thousand prosecutors in this country. A thousand. We have about twelve to fourteen thousand elected chief prosecutors, prosecutors. And of course we have ninety three United States attorneys, in this case under Biden appointed by the opposition, the Democrats. Approved by the Senate, yes, but they could approve it even if every Republican said no. And so you could imagine a president would be subjected to the potential of criminalization, particularly by a Democrat party like this. I want you to think about these things, why the framers were so brilliant, and why we have people who pretend to be brilliant, holding high offices and other positions, who try to substitute their lack of wisdom for the framers' wisdom. Whether it's the budget deficit or whether it's the pardon clause. President shouldn't be able to pardon himself. It's never happened because we've never seen anything like we've seen today with respect to the attacks on this president. It's unprecedented. Absolutely unprecedented to be facing one federal prosecutor after another, one state or local prosecutor after another. You know, a friend of mine said to me today, who's sort of a Trump supporter, at least claims to be, and he said, you know, Trump brought this on himself. This is sort of the Bill Barr, Andy McCarthy argument. He brought these things on himself, the way he conducts himself. He brought criminal investigations on himself. Really? Brought impeachment on himself too? Brought civil suits on himself too? Tax investigations too? I was very disappointed to hear this because it's preposterous. John Kennedy never faced anything like this. Lyndon Johnson. Joe Biden. Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. I'd like to report somebody to the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, as we, well, as we used to know it. Somebody who seems to be inciting violence in the streets. I know you monitor the show over there at FBI. Uh, and I know you've monitored millions of Americans unconstitutionally, but I want to bring one to your attention that I'm very, very, very concerned about, as well as the media, as well as the White House, and I think something should be done about it. I want you to listen to this, and then I will identify the individual, but this person is it seems to me, suggesting that there be a violent uprising or insurrection. Then I want the FBI to be aware of this. And if they're not, I want to know what they're going to do about it. Cut one, go. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is, it's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. Okay, so this is Pramila Jayapal, if that is her name, out of the great city of Seattle, Washington. That's pretty much her district, as I understand it. Among other things, she talked about a huge backlash in the streets. Now, of course, she'll say she's not calling for it, but this is Marxist speak for calling for it. And so the question is, will the Washington Compost or the New York Slimes draw attention to this? You can be damn sure. That if Marjorie Teller Green spoke like this, or Lauren Boebert spoke like this, they'd be all over it. You can be damn sure. Now, Pramili Jayapal, if that is her name, she said it. And she's head of the Progressive Caucus. In other words, the openly Marxist wing of the Democrat Party, more like the Trotskyite wing which is the most ideologically pure, may I say. Not like the Stalinist wing that's run by the kind of fool that a Swalwell or an Adam Schiff would be. These are the Trotskyites. And uh, these Trotskyites, I mean, led by Pramilia Jayapal, if that is her name. I want to repeat, or I want to play this so we can repeat what she said and I expect Christopher Ray to wake up from his his daily stupor and the Attorney General to take his face out of his oatmeal and to pay attention. Cut one, go. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets, you know. I mean, I think that this is, I heard her say that, Mr. Producer. Did you hear her say that? But also in this, the voice went up. She got excited. The testosterone level went high. Mark, that's impossible. Not today. Follow the science. Even though it's science fiction, follow the science. I heard her. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire House Democratic Caucus. Certainly the progressive, but also in the streets. 
Now, what does that mean? Is that like when Schumer was all worked up? His depends got all wet when he was on the stairs of the Supreme Court building and there were an enormous number of anti-babyists. That's what we ought to start calling these uh, pro-abortionists, anti-babyists. We've got to make up names like these clowns do. And the anti-babyists are there, yes, yes, I want my choice, kill them, kill them, I want my choice. And he got all worked up, and what did he say? I'm telling you, Kavanaugh, I'm telling you, Gorsuch, there's a whirlwind forming out there, and you better do the right damn thing. Oh, I misspoke, I didn't know what I was saying. The Republicans are twisting what I said. They're twisting it out of, out of context. What did you mean? I meant the most gentle and nonviolent way, sort of a Gandhi-like way. I was just saying to them, please, follow the law. That's what I said. But the extreme MAGA Republicans were twisting everything I was saying. But Pramila Jayapal, should we waste the time inviting her on the program? Haven't we done that before, Mr. Producer? Can we try? Did the other one we invited the other night? Who did we invite the other day? So many leftists, so little time, so little response. I understand I'm not Chuck Todd. I don't have a third grader's haircut. Who was it? Sonny Halston over there at the pew. Ooh, Yenta Houston at the pew. I invited her on the program. She wouldn't come on. I think it's a Jewish thing. I don't think she likes Jews, Mr. Producer. What do you think? I mean, they throw this stuff around. Do you not like me, Sonny Houston, because I'm Jewish? Is that it? Could that be the reason? Hmm? Just curious. You have it so hard in America. Oh, it's just, it's unbelievable. What's her first name again? You used to know how to pronounce it. Ah, whatever. Asusian? No wonder it's Sunny. But her name shouldn't be Sunny. It should be Dreary. Dreary. That's her new name. Dreary Houston. Asusian. And then we have uh, Whoopi Goldberg, whose real name is Karen. Can you believe that? She's a Karen. Oh, my God. Then there's a... uh, It's stuck in your throat. AOC is the modern-day Aristotle. You must know this. And, of course, a female Aristotle. What would that be? A female Aristotle? What would that be? Aristotle? I don't know. And she's questioned by Raju. We got Raju, we got Pramila, we got Ocasio-Cortez, a whole rainbow coalition here. Cut to go. But if the president agrees to spending caps or if he agrees to work requirements on certain social safety programs. It's going to be a problem. We do not legislate through the debt ceiling for this very reason. You know, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I've been around a long time, at least two and a half years. I understand she used to make a good drink, though. I don't drink, Mr. Producer. 
I understand that her expertise was, I don't even know the names of drinks. What was it? What, what, is, what is it that they, they always drink? A martini. That her expertise was a martini. Now her expertise is everything. Ocasio-Cortez. It's going to be a problem. We don't legislate through the debt ceiling for debt. raise it. Yes, we do, you idiot. All the time. By the way, is that your real name, too? Ocasio-Cortez. Just curious. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. I am sick and damn tired of the Democrats and the media and these fraudulent, phony academicians telling us that the Constitution allows the Democrats to destroy our economy when it gives them no such right. Now, I will ask you, because you've been listening to this program, many of you for years, some of you for months, but most of you for years. Do you think the framers of the Constitution, even more, do you think those who adopted the 14th Amendment, both supermajorities of the House and the Senate and the state legislatures, would have agreed to give a president the power to not only submit a budget but to fund the budget if Congress didn't get along, or didn't go along with them? Now, is that not asinine? That's never been done in American history. They can't find a single syllable that was uttered at the time, either in Congress, certainly not by the authors of the 14th Amendment, or the state ratification conventions. Not one person, not one sentence, nothing that supports their claim. They take completely out of context half of a sentence in the 14th Amendment in Section 4 that has absolutely nothing to do with today's budget, with today's debt, with today's spending. But the Democrats do not want to negotiate a reduction in spending. This is how presidents in the past have avoided this situation. But the Democrats today are more Marxist, more radical than ever before in our history. And they're saying, you do it our way, or we're attacking the economy. Now, they have their propagandists out there in the media. They have the likes of Hakeem Jeffries, who is a who is a known liar, lied about his own past and supporting his uncle, and his uncle's anti-Semitic and anti-American statements. But more on that another day, as we've discussed it at length before. And now they're saying the Republicans are the ones who want to default on the economy. First of all, there'll be no default unless, unless the Secretary of the Treasury, at the direction of the President, insists on it. There's not only a number of measures to take. Money keeps flowing into the federal treasury. The next big amount of money flows in on June 15th. Now, the Treasury Secretary knows this. She's sitting in the building where they watch this. And that will be about 350 to $400 billion. Just as it did this month, and the month before, and the month before that, and every other month. The Democrats spend too much. The Republicans, under McConnell, voted to spend too much. 
The Democrats handed this to the Republicans before they were even sworn in as the majority. If the Democrats wanted to raise the debt ceiling, as McCarthy has said, why didn't they do it when they controlled both houses of Congress? They could have rammed it through, but they didn't. So the idea that somehow the 14th Amendment, a post-Civil War Amendment, Clause 4, talking about, yes, the debt that the United States owes to those who supported the Union, no, the debt to those who supported the Confederacy will not be paid, that somehow that applies to today, which of course it doesn't, is a lie. They're trying to rewrite the Constitution on the fly to do something that has never been even done before. Not by any president since the end of the Civil War. No president has asserted, as Joe Biden has, that he has the power of the purse. That he has the power to propose a budget and fund a budget. And raise the debt. Well then your House of Representatives might as well shut down. The members might as well leave town. Because that's their fundamental responsibility. They have others... But that's their fundamental responsibility. How many times have you heard the House is in charge of taxes? That's where the taxes, tax cuts or raises come from, or the spending cuts or raises come from. And that's a, It's the House. It doesn't say the presidency. Now, I want to show you what kind of a communist Jamie Raskin is. He was bred from a communist father. He was involved intimately in trying to remove Donald Trump, first trying to prevent him from being sworn in as one of a handful of objectors on the floor of the House. Then he worked both impeachment trials, both. Jamie Raskin, who's a, who's a red, and he's a liar, and he's on the morning schmo show today, and Joe Scarborough gives him a platform to lie, and Joe Scarborough, therefore, is lying with him. He knows damn well the 14th Amendment is not an option. Let's start. Cut seven. Go. Well, nobody seems to know, but um, the positive develop in my mind, development in my mind is that on the Democratic side, people understand that the 14th Amendment is not an option, as people have been saying. The 14th Amendment is an imperative. Well, that the is 14th Amendment's not an option. It's an imperative, says Jamie Raskin. This clown was teaching constitutional law at one point, which means he was teaching lies. And there's nobody there to challenge him. The 14th Amendment provides no cover any more than the 13th or the 15th or any other amendment to the Constitution. The Constitution was not amended to eviscerate the House of Representatives. It's not an imperative, it's a fantasy. But the Marxists don't care. I've told you this a thousand times. They will turn the Constitution into a meaningless pretzel. That's what they'll do. They hate it from top to bottom. Because you cannot be a so-called progressive, a.k.a. Marxist, and support the American system. You cannot. Because the Constitution stands in your way. That's why they hate the First Amendment. That's why they hate the Second Amendment. There's Biden talking about the, the, the anniversary, such as it is, of the Uvalde massacre. 
getting right back into the gun issue, strengthen the schools, ladies and gentlemen. Strengthen them the way the White House is strengthened, the way Capitol Hill is strengthened, the way every federal building is strengthened. If you care about the children the way I do, the way you do, then demonstrate it. Tell me, how do we protect the White House? Do we disarm all the people who protect it? Is that what we do now? How do we protect the Capitol building? Do we tell the Capitol Police and so forth to go away and put up a sign that says a gun-free zone? No, of course not. But that's Biden today. Sick. Go ahead. Framework for analyzing the problem. And Section 4 says that the validity of the public debt shall not be questioned. No, it doesn't. Talks about the validity of the public debt, and then it talks about what is the public debt. Now, first of all, nobody's questioning the validity of the public debt. So he doesn't even know what he's talking about, this idiot. The public debt is valid, unfortunately, and it's massive. So nobody's talking about that. But it doesn't say in there anywhere in plain English or even broken English, anywhere, that if Congress doesn't agree to raise a debt limit, the president has the unilateral power to issue loan instruments, like bonds and so forth. It doesn't even say, it doesn't even come close to it. It doesn't even make sense. Go ahead. For in the final analysis, the president must continue to pay the Social Security and Medicare recipients. Now, I explained Social Security and Medicare to you. I explained it on my Fox show. I explained it on Levin TV. I've explained it behind this microphone over and over, but put a sharp edge on it this week, last week. Social Security is a carve-out. Why? At least theoretically, it has its own trust fund. It's funded completely differently. Medicare has its own trust fund. Now, what Jamie Raskin is saying is, no, they don't. We destroy those trust funds. So Jamie Raskin is talking at, God, I wish this guy would debate me. I would do anything. Could you invite him for the fourth time, Mr. Producer? Tell him I want to debate the 14th Amendment straight up. Good Lord. Cut eight, go. But I don't think uh, there will be legal challenges by the administration because the president doesn't have to challenge anybody. He just has to meet the full faith and credit of the United States. All right, idiot, uh, you're mumbling around. The president would be a defendant. He wouldn't bring a case. Is that what you were asked by the morning schmo or a schmoite who was filling in for him? It's the president who would be sued. And let me tell you something. This would be horrendous and then you'd have uh, what was the, the woman's name from uh, Seattle the congresswoman Pallaby or whatever her name is Jayapal of the famous Jayapal 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 and Goldstein law firm anyway Piat Jayapal she talks about the streets we're going to take to the streets oh yeah we're going to cue this up for the Supreme Court and they better damn well do what we want But he even says something stupider. Go ahead. 
our creditors. Now, if Marjorie Taylor Greene or someone else wants to sue, they would have to prove that they have standing, which means they're injured by other people getting paid the money that the United States of America owes them. You sound like a really big idiot, and I'm embarrassed to say they used to teach constitutional law. The House of Representatives would have standing because it has a cause of action. And what is the cause of action, ladies and gentlemen? A separation of powers that the President of the United States does not have the authority to do with the House of Representatives and, frankly, the broader Congress specifically authorized to do. So, of course, there would be standing but the guy sounds like a complete Marxist slash fascist. Not only can Biden do this, but nobody can challenge him. Oh, so Biden can do this. He can rip the shreds, the 14th Amendment and Article One, and nobody can stop him. Really? Now, let's think about this. Biden gets his way. According to Jamie Raskin, what happens next year at budget time, Mr. Producer? Why does he even have to propose a budget to Congress if he can fund it himself? Isn't that right, Rich? Why propose anything? Just say, here's my budget, and I'll be using the 14th Amendment to fund it. Okay, next issue. That's all he would have to do. Now, ladies and gentlemen, do you have to be a moronic, vile, poisonous, cancerous, radical Marxist not to understand this? This is how dangerous these people are. And then they blame the Republicans who are asking for just little reduction, just a little reduction in spending. And it's they who are going to destroy everything. If the Republicans don't give us what we want, we're going to use the 14th. It's not an option, it's an imperative, says Jamie Raskin. And Biden said the other day from Japan, he has the power. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best. The best of Mark Levin. Here's something nobody's talking about, but we better pay attention to and right now. And then I'll move into this IRS issue. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran today successfully launched, a practice launch, a ballistic missile. That is a missile that can carry a warhead and hit its target. I don't know firsthand, but I suspect there are meetings within the Israeli government as I speak on what kind of preemptive activity to take. That can happen any day or any week. Of course, I would ask those who, who are out there, is that any of our business? far away you know it's 11 hour flight 10 and a half hours on a good flight if Ukraine's none of our business why is that any of our business 
Now, you know, I'm asking that for purposes of discussion and debate. Not today, maybe next week. Just wondering. If we get out of NATO, should we get out of all of our military arrangements? I mean, NATO's a treaty. We have military arrangements with Australia, the Philippines, Japan, obviously South Korea. We have military arrangements, not treaties, with Israel. In other countries, NATO is a treaty. And it's pretty much kept the peace since the end of World War II, 1948. The reason is little European countries can't defend themselves against big bad Russia, or big bad China, or anybody else. And so the idea there, which has worked, is that by aggregating the countries and their resources and their defenses and so forth, it's much less likely that anybody will be invaded. Ukraine is not a member of NATO. So we should pull out of that, even though it's worked? even though funding's way up, thanks to Donald Trump. And so what happens then? Poland's attacked? Oh, none of our business. And that's exactly one candidate who was running in Florida, when Ron DeSantis asked me to help moderate some debates in some congressional race. I forget his name, but he was sort of a Rand Paul acolyte. Maybe he was a boomer con or a uh, national con, maybe both. Anyway, uh, he said, well, if Poland's invaded, that's Poland's problem. And so there you have it. Because, Because the logic, the logic takes you only in one direction. It's a very bad one. And he said, well, only if it's in America is in a national security interest. Isn't that always the debate? That is, what is prudential? That's the debate. So you can't say that's your policy. That's the debate. Gary Shapley is a senior criminal investigator, supervisor in charge of a unit that had been put on the Hunter Biden case, but has since been pulled off. I want you to listen to this. Uh, This is on CBS Evening Evening News last night, to their credit. It's being interviewed by Jim Axelrod. Go ahead. Gary Shapley is a supervisory special agent for the IRS, where he's worked for 14 years. In January 2020, he was assigned to what he calls a high-profile investigation. Who's the subject of the investigation? I can't confirm or deny the, the subject of this investigation. Why not? Because, you know, part of the tax secrecy laws don't allow it. Shapley can't say it, but CBS News has learned the investigation was the probe of Hunter Biden by the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney in Delaware. Senior Biden administration... By the way, stop there. I love that. The Trump-appointed U.S. attorney. Trust me, if this U.S. attorney wasn't doing what Biden wanted, he'd be gone. Without consequence. Because Biden knows who's going to cause the problem. The... The attorney general himself would fire him. So let's stop playing games. Go ahead. Vowed to let it run its course without interference. 
It's not restricted in his investigation in any way. But CBS News has obtained this letter Shapley's lawyers sent to Congress Monday alleging irregularities in DOJ's handling of the investigation. Shapley is seeking legal protections from Congress so he can share specifics of his allegations. There was multiple steps that were, were slow walked at the uh, direction of, of the Department of Justice. Had you ever encountered that before? I have not, no. These deviations from normal process, and, and, and each and every time it seemed to, to always benefit the subject. Shapley says he decided to blow the whistle after a heated meeting last October with federal prosecutors. It was my red line meeting. It just got to that point where that switch was, uh, was turned on and I just couldn't silence my conscience anymore. Did you let prosecutors know you were unhappy? I don't think I can answer that. Hunter Biden has denied any wrongdoing. Like civil servants. The IRS agent told us he is a registered Republican. His whistleblowing is being assisted by an advocacy group with past ties to the GOP. But Shapley says this hold is on, not. Hold on, hold on. And to Democrats. Now, why, why are you doing this with the GOP stuff? You never do it with the Democrats. Tell me, Eric, whose name shall not be mentioned by the New York Times or any media outlet in the Ukraine impeachment, uh, you wouldn't even give us his name, let alone his affiliations, and we learned he was a big-time Democrat. But go ahead. Our politics. Why do you want to navigate these waters? I don't want to do any of this. I took an oath of office, and when I saw the egregiousness of some of these things, it no longer became a choice for me. It's not something that I want to do. It's something that I feel like I have to do. The IRS told us it can't comment on specific cases, but is committed to supporting whistleblowers in general. Both the DOJ and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware declined to comment. Hmm. We declined to comment, and you can't have any papers. There's not to be any oversight because we have our methods here, sources and methods. Then there's this from Blaze Media. IRS chief responds to allegations of whistleblower retaliation. He said IRS follows the direction of the Department of Justice. So you can see what's happening here, America. It's the senior so-called leadership at the Department of Justice, the attorney general, the deputy attorney general, and all the rest of them. There are at least two IRS whistleblowers, one you just heard, one being a criminal supervisory special agent, that one. They claim the Justice Department has interfered in a high-profile criminal investigation, while the attorneys representing the supervisory agent have been careful not to name the subject. It's believed to be Hunter Biden. The responding to allegations of internal retaliation against IRS whistleblowers the head of the IRS sent the House Ways and Means Committee a letter on May 17, denying the accusations, but he also suggested the Department of Justice is responsible for actions taken against the whistleblower who came forward last month. Quote, I want to state unequivocally that I have not intervened and will not intervene in any way that would impact the status of any whistleblower, Werfel wrote the committee. The IRS whistleblower you reference alleges that the change in their work assignment came at the direction of the Department of Justice. As a general matter and not in reference to any specific case, I believe it is important to emphasize that in any matter involving federal judicial proceedings, the IRS follows the direction of the Department of Justice. Gee, do you think under this current budget battle, the Department of Justice should get more money, America? Especially the prosecutors. 
The admission corroborates what lawyers for the supervisory agent disclosed last week. Attorneys Mark Lytle and Tristan Levitt told Congress the entire investigative team handling the Hunter Biden probe was removed from the case. They said today the IRS criminal supervisory special agent we represent was informed that he and his entire investigative team, are they all Republicans, America? are being removed from the ongoing and sensitive investigation of the high-profile, controversial subject about which our clients sought to make whistleblower disclosures to Congress. He was informed the change was at the request of the Department of Justice. So there you have it, America. Now what? Now what? They control the levers of federal prosecutorial power they control the levers I did a special on Blaze with my buddy Glenn Beck we spoke at length about what could be done what must be done and I will repeat what I've said before we are prosecutors in our towns in our counties, we are prosecutors in our states why aren't they on to this guy Hunter Biden Every offense he committed is a potential federal offense, but no local or state offenses? Seriously? I mean, you got Alan Bragg, who's twisted the law into a pretzel. You got Tish. What's her name again? Letitia James. Tish. Tish. Tish, Tush, Tash, whatever. I mean, she should be disbarred for what she did. But so far, no Republican prosecutor has stepped up. Not one. Pretty incredible, if you ask me. By the way, these are interesting times also for us here at the Mark Levin Radio Show syndication. Uh, We might be involved in a squabble in the next few weeks. I will let you know. I will let you know on all my platforms. We shall see. We shall see. So the question is, ladies and gentlemen... Why won't Joe Biden cut money from the budget? Oh, and you know what the Democrats are demanding now? Tax increases. In the middle of an inflationary period, rather than slashing taxes so the economy can grow and the Fed has to do what it has to do with rising interest rates to control the currency under the monetary system, the Democrats who put us in this position are now demanding tax increases. How many of you, how many of you can afford a tax increase right now? Now, you know it's not going to just be the rich. So how many of you can afford a tax increase right now on top of 87,000 IRS agents roaming the countryside looking for people to brutalize? How many of you can afford a tax increase right now? Well, Jayapal and Ayach and all the other individuals that's what they're demanding communist China's on the rise they're spending like drunken Marxists because that's what they are and they're on the move they're on the move and Bernie Sanders and Jaya Polineach they insist trillions more trillions more in redistribution of wealth trillions more for radical left wing groups
Not to secure the border. Not to build up the military. No, no. Trillions more to empower them. Now, that won't go over well, would it? No, I don't think so. That's, that's not really very helpful, do you think, to the economy and so forth? The problem is Biden decided he's a chameleon. He is a, said many times, a street-level political hack. He's a chameleon. He pretends he was part of the civil rights movement. No, he was part of the segregationist, racist movement in the early 70s. We have a record for that. We don't have any records for his civil rights activity. So he's a liar on top of everything else. Then he decided he wanted to be president. So he became Bernie Sanders. It's not hard to do when you're a genuinely stupid human being with a low IQ who's desirous of having a, le- a, a, a legacy like FDR. He wants to be FDR. More like Eleanor Roosevelt, but that's a whole other story that I discussed earlier in the week or last week. Now, Biden. Biden is going to tell us, you see. Nothing to cut. We can't cut anything here. We're on a mission. Biden has embraced the full Monty, the full Monty of the Marxist agenda. And the people around him are as radical as hell. Their only credential is physical, ideological, and or gender. Boy, I wouldn't want to be in there reading the resumes for qualifications in the Biden administration, would you, Mr. Producer? I recently had my, uh, you know what, removed... (laughs) And, uh, and by the way, I went to Harvard and so on. So, oh, we'll put that guy gal to the top of the list. Of course. Of course.